Today we're going to be talking about mental health in the immigrant community. My name is Bjorn Dafrede. I'm the host of the Immigrate Life podcast. And today my guests are Pei Edgar and Yisel Alonso. I cannot wait for you to hear what this mental health experts have to say on the subject. I didn't just get one expert, I got two. So welcome, Akwe, and welcome, Yisel. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay, yes. So welcome, Akwe, <laughs> welcome, um, I'm so happy to have both of you here, especially in this month of September, where there's so much conversation about mental health with good reason, and also happens to be in the middle of a pandemic year. So many people are paying attention to their physical health and might be ignoring their mental health. So today we're going to be talking about mental health, especially in like with regards to the immigrant community. It doesn't mean like it's just for the immigrant community, but especially for the immigrant community. So I'm going to hand it over to you guys from here. Um, so Akwe, is Akwe here? Yes. I'm here. Yeah. Okay, you go first. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Um, thank you, Biodu. Um, my name is Opayemi Edgar. I am a mental health therapist. I work with um, a population group that ranges from birth to adults. Um, I Right now, I specifically work with school-age children, so providing school-based services to um, students in school and their families. Okay. Yusel? Yeah, hi, I'm Yusel. Um, I'm a clinical social worker um, who, like Emmy, also is a mental health therapist. Um, I also work for a nonprofit organization right now providing mental health services to uh, school-age children anywhere from like five years old to middle school, 13. Okay, yeah. thank you guys. So um, you saw you go first, just continue, right? Tell me what it was that inspired you to this line. And if you had any concerns, you or your family, like if there was some fun, funny concern when you decided to go this route, what was it? Yeah, of course. Um, I think um, initially I, I, I wanted to go down this path um, when I, I found a passion for like working with children. I've always worked with children at some capacity um, and I knew that I wanted to help this vulnerable population. Um, and I know I didn't want to be a teacher. Um, so, you know, in an undergrad, I kind of just, you know, took a couple general ed classes and, and I found social work. And that's where I really found, you know, this passion for, you know, working with the vulnerable population, you know, providing these services to them. Um, you know, and that's where I really found kind of my calling, per se. Um, so, you know, I, I did that. And I know I really have a passion with working with children. So specifically, this is why I'm a school-based mental health therapist. Um, of course, there were some concerns. You know, I do come, with, um, come from an immigrant family. Um, and, you know, and in immigrant families, there's a lot of stigma around mental health. So one of the biggest concerns was, well, are, you know, is my family going to accept that I want to be a mental health therapist? Are they going to be okay with that? Um, so it was a little challenging trying to kind of um, help them accept that this is what I wanted to do, that this is my passion, that this is my calling, um, you know, and that it's not a bad thing, you know, to seeing mental health services, to be able to be a provider for that. So, um, you know, there was a little bit of both, but, you know, here I am. So, you know, I'm very, very satisfied with the work that I do and the people that I'm able to service. 
Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about kind of what inspired me to, to go down this path. Yeah, brilliant. Um, okay, what do, you, what, what do you think? What inspired you to go that route? And did anyone have any, any funny uh, <laughs> reasons to say why? Um, so like you said, I did not start out wanting to be a social worker. Um, I started out, um, I studied microbiology um, in in my, for my undergraduates. And um, so I, when I moved to the United States, I started working with my mother-in-law who has several group homes. And in the course of my work, I had um, interactions with the clinical team that work with the vulnerable population, specifically adults with disability. And so um, I had to collaborate with them as a staff, collaborate with the psychologists, collaborate with, you know, the social worker. And so the interest built up from there. Um, the other side to my story on why I chose social work is, um, given my background, where I come from, um, Africa, Nigeria, um, there isn't a lot being said about mental health. Um, mm -hmm. So moving over here <laughs> and just seeing everything that was going on. I feel like people with anxiety, depression, they're probably tagged as um, people who have, you know, are probably sick upstairs, um, forgive my words. Um, but, you know, there is that stigmatization as you still said. And so I got really curious. I wanted to help. I knew I had a burning desire, just like you still said, social work or, you know, working with this population is a calling. It's a vocation. You're not there for the money. You're there because you want to make a difference. You're there because, you know, you have this background that you feel it's high time. You know, we begin to change people's perspective. And um, the third part to why, how I got inspired into social work is the fact that I feel like there isn't enough education in the immigrant um, community about mental health. And so in the quest of trying to make a difference, I, you know, I found my passion in social work. Also, I did not want to be boxed in. Social work is very broad. Um, so, you know, I could do a lot of things. I can work with different populations just being in social work. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that social workers are mental health therapists, as well as the psychologists, yes. you know, as well yes. as marriage and family therapists. So, they, you know, so with social work, you can diversify, you can go into, you can pretty much walk anywhere as a social worker. So that's, you know, having that information inspired me into social work and, you know, to carry it all, I'll say that it's a calling. You really need yeah. to be called into it to find yourself mm -hmm. in it because it's very demanding. I love how you said you don't come into this for the money. You kind of like, so for anyone thinking about, let me go in and get like Warren Buffett, rich, just don't come. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I know Okwe kind of um, gave us her immigrant story. She slipped yeah. it in there. So you yourself tell me like, mm -hmm. what is your immigrant story? Of course. Um, so I'm second generation. Okay. Um, you know, my parents did um, immigrate to the United States from Mexico, um, you know, in the 80s. Um, so um, I per se don't have that, you know, I had to, you know, come to a new country. Um, but I did have to experience kind of being in the middle between two cultures per se, you know, because I, I did have, um, you know, the privilege to, I guess, be born here. But, um, you know, it's always been very difficult to kind of just assimilate because, you know, going back to Mexico, sometimes, you know, people don't see you as Mexicans because you weren't born there. So, but you're here in America, but people sometimes don't see you as American because, you know, yes. you're, you're not, you, you know, your parents have this, you know, Mexican heritage. So, you know, in that sense, you know, I, it was difficult to kind of just 
you know, accept and, you know, learn and, and be able to be okay with that. Um, but growing up, I did see my parents struggle, whether it was with discrimination or, you know, language barriers and having to be that, you know, seven-year-old to translate for your dad at the bank or, you know, during parent-teacher conferences. So it was, it was, a, it was a lot, it was hard. Um, so I did also get to have that kind of um, experience, um, you know, so it was difficult in that sense. Thank you for that, Yusel. So yes, as I yes. always say to people who are second gen, yes. I'm like, don't worry because you need to like get to this point where fitting in is no longer a big deal yes. because yes. you carry home on yes. your back. That's you right. know, you're walking exactly. around with your heritage on your back. Basically, that's, that's, right. that's what your yes. life is. So uh, we're going to move on to our next question. We're going to dive in just straight up. So what are common men mental health risk factors to members of the community, the immigrant community? What would you say are, so let, let's see, Akwe, Akwe, you go first. Okay, um, I think one of the biggest challenges um, of mental health is the stigma attached to it, um, especially in the immigrant community. The beautiful thing is myself and Yisel, we you know, talk about this frequently and we see some similarities in our culture. As an mm -hmm. African, there is, you know, it's like I said, it's literally not talked about. Matter of fact, if you say you're going to see a psychologist or a therapist, you know, people are wondering what's wrong with you. So the biggest challenge um, that I think the immigrant community faces is um, the stigma attached to mental health. Um, because of the stigma, they underreport. Um, people do not want to admit that they need help. They do not want to seek help. Um, another, you know, I would say another risk um, attached to that or the fact that you're an immigrant is the fact that there is lack or little access to, you know, services, mental health services, um, by virtue of the fact that some people are undocumented or, you know, um, immigrants have to work low paid job or low wage jobs. So they cannot necessarily afford it. Um, the socioeconomic disparity, um, the socioeconomic sta um, um, status and class fits into that. So there are many factors. I'm sure Isel will probably speak to some of the other factors that impact the immigrant community um, with regards to mental health. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree with, with the risk factors that, um, you know, Ope mentioned. Um, in addition to that, you know, another big one, I think, is just like the language barrier, kind of similar to what I was saying. You know, a lot of these people, you know, that do come, you know, a lot of our, you know, our community that comes, you know, to a new country, it's a new country, it's a new culture, and it's, you know, that language that kind of prevents them from seeking, you know, help. And, you know, so language barrier for sure. There's culture differences, you know, kind of similar to stigma, you know, and, and, and I can speak obviously to, to my culture, um, you know, asking for help is kind of seen as a form of weakness. Yeah. You know, so you don't want to ask for help because I don't want to be seen as weak. So, you know, that's also another big risk factor that kind of mm -hmm. prevents, you know, um, people from seeking support and help. Um, you know, there's also that, you know, there isn't a lot of education, you know, that there isn't, you know, education enough about how mental health, mental health services can help you. You know, they, they see it as kind of similar to what um, Ope was saying about the stigma, you know, that you're crazy you know, if, if you seek these services. So, you know, that plays a big factor. Mm -hmm. Another big factor, I think it's isolation, um, you know, and I can speak to, to my parents' uh, immigrant story that, you know, when they first came to this country, they, they didn't know anybody. They came, they just got a little backpack, they came, you know, and they came to this, you know, country without having any social support. So isolation was big, you know, they didn't have anybody they can rely on. So, you know, if, if, if you, you're isolated, you don't have that social su support, 
you're, you know, you're more than likely to, you know, maybe have a mental health issue, whether it's depression or anxiety. So isolation is definitely a big risk factor as well um, in, our, in, our, in our communities. Um, and then, you know, not access to, you know, uh, health insurance, you know, social disparities. A lot of our families, you know, who are undocumented do work minimum wage jobs, you know, that can't afford, you know, these services um, as well. So, you know, the list can go on and on um, for, for, for risk factors, but those are some of like the, the biggest ones that we see um, in our community. Thank you, thank you guys. So, um, I was going to say on my end, like, so I grew up in a, in a culture, oh, I was born in, in, a, in a culture where not only, you know, did any, any talk about mental health raise flag, red flags, Mm-hmm. It was also, the stigma was also extended to the entire family, even the lineage. Like I'm sure a pair would attest if you mm-hmm. had one person yeah. that had any kind of disorder, maybe bipolar, yes. any kind of schizophrenia, any kind of mental breakdown, maybe acute stress and they broke down, you would have people say, oh, we cannot marry into this family because someone yes. had that. Just someone, yeah. one person yeah. yes. would color yes. the entire yeah. lineage. And lineage. that is so, that of course would yes. make sure people would e- either hide a problem or never talk about it at all. So mm-hmm. I remember this lady, she was giving a talk and she said something. So I want you guys to tell me what you think, right? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. said, she thinks part of the reason why some people would always stigmatize mental health is related to language. And she mm-hmm. said in many languages, there are even no, no vocabulary at all for mental issues. Mm-hmm. And I would attest that in my language, there are no, <laughs> there's only one, one word. One word <laughs> yeah. For, for that. And I don't want to say it or anything for <laughs> Um, so you sell, you come from a, <laughs> yeah. a, a different background from mine. Yes. Um, so wh- how is it like with, with you from what you know from your parents? How is yeah. it with the language? Does it help or does it hurt? No, I, I agree with you, actually. And I think it goes back to what Opa was saying earlier. I feel like, you know, a lot of our, our culture is very similar um, because, yeah, I mean, I am a bilingual therapist. So I do, you know, have to provide services. I do provide services to to a lot of Spanish speaking families. And sometimes it's even hard to just like be able to like interpret, you know, any disorder or, you know, um, you know, any symptom or behavior in Spanish, you know, I kind of feel like, okay, let me think, make sure that I'm saying this right. Because yeah, sometimes it's, it's really difficult, you know, to be able to explain it in a way that they're also going to understand. So I agree. I agree that language does play a big factor, um, you know, in, in, in this as well, for sure. Thank you. Okay. So, um, what would you say, like, when it comes to people with immigrant backgrounds accessing health, um, accessing mental health uh, services, what would you say would make it, first of all, um, stats show that people from immigrant, immigrant backgrounds are less likely to even find out about these services? So, you know, I, I just said start saying. So, you know how it is with stats and the internet. You can never be sure. So, I'm going to reach out to you guys since you guys are the experts. Okay, what do you think? Do you think those stats are real stats or do you think someone just put them there? Do you think um, people I- with, do you think people with, um, I'm getting some interruption, some Amber alerts, that's why I'm like freezing up. 
do you think people who have immigrant backgrounds, even when they have the resources, like money-wise, mm -hmm. do you think it's true that they are less likely to ask for mental health services at all? Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, again, we're going to take you back to the stigma attached to mental health. Um, even this, this, for, but you know what? This stigma is powerful, though. Yes, it yes. is. Absolutely. Imagine how much is attached to just this yeah. mind block, because that's what the stigma is, a mind block. Mind block. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Absolutely. And it kind of reminds me of how, um, I'm sure, um, Beardy, you can relate to this, um, how, you know, like you said, that even in marriage, um, you have people, I believe, like, historically, you have people from a certain family go... Um, more like investigate about a family just because of mental health. You want to make sure that not one person in that family is represented with a disorder. Um, so again, it boils down to the stigma. Um, immigrants' families, even when they can afford it, would rather, you know, sit back at home and just deal with it. And yes, again, um, I use the word deal with it because that's basically what people say. That's the sort of support they receive. Yeah. And um, that kind of like, you know, take it back to the last, last question we talked about the education, you so mentioned the education around mental health. I really want to speak to the fact that our faith leaders too are not doing justice to the issue of mental health. You know, if, you know, people, they are saying, especially with immigrant family, we're very reliant on our faith. Um, as a Christian, I see a lot of Christian, um, um, Christian religious people, you know, go to their pastors yeah. and pastors are not even yeah. educated mm -hmm. or they would ask them to pray it away. You know, so I feel like it starts from home, really. We have to bring it back home. We have to start with our leaders. We have to start with ourselves. We have to start with one-on-one -on -one interactions with people and begin to sensitize people on mental health. Begin to destigmatize um, people on, you know, whatever conscious and unconscious bias they have about mental health and begin to educate ourselves. That way we are able, you know, the community begins to see that I'm going to have support. And then they can seek out support. Without that, we still have people just sitting back, even if they can afford it. They would mm -hmm. not want to see you. They would not want to seek help. They will pray it away or they will wait it out. And yeah. most times it doesn't pan out. Another thing I wanted to talk about is if there was so much education around mental health, some of the you know, um, protests we have today would not arise. Um, you know, I would not want to go political or anything like that, but you know. There are issues whereby you need to call a mental health person, maybe ask for um, a psychiatrist um, evaluation, or you want to ask for a 5150 hole, but you're calling the cops, you know, to help out with that. And, you know, they are not trained, so escalate. So to avoid that, that's another reason why people would not seek for help, you know, like rather than being treated or be subjected to certain treatments, I would rather just wait it out or pray it out. So education comes from all fronts, education within yeah. our homes, education yeah. with our leaders, faith leaders, especially, because a lot of people probably see mental health as spiritual um, problems. And even when it's not spiritual, they still would not seek help. Yeah, no, you made such uh, a good point. I'll come back to that when you sell speak <laughs> as well. So we can just attack it on all fronts. But yes. that was like bomb. Thank you. Yes. Okay, um, so, so what do you think? So th th do you think the stats are correct? Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I wish my answer was otherwise. But yes, they are correct. Um, you know, even if, you know, um, 
people do have, you know, maybe the, 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 the insurance or the money to seek these services, they aren't seeking them. And I think, you know, in my opinion, I really think that it has to do a lot with our cultural beliefs. Um, there's a saying in Spanish, and I'm going to say, and I'll translate it, um, los trapos sucios se lavan en casa, which basically means that your issues are handled behind closed doors. So, you know, yeah, we, we have we have our version of that too. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's, that's basically, you know, what, what we do. You know, we, even if we were, we're, you know, need help managing our stress or need help managing our or anxiety or depression or, or sad mood, whatever it may be, you know, we just decide to leave it behind closed doors. You know, we don't seek that help. You know, we, we get that support similar to what Opa said, you know, like, it'll be fine. You're going to be okay. You know, just get over it. You know, you know, this too shall pass. So I think we, we kind of just, you know, grow up with that belief, like things are going to be okay. You're going to be able to manage, you know, take it a day at a time that we don't seek services, you know, even if we, we, we do have the ability to do so. So I think cultural culture has a big, big component to this, yeah. um, you know, and why we don't seek services, even if we do have the opportunity to do so. Yeah. So to agree with what you guys say, it is definitely true. And to anyone who's non-immigrant, not first gen, not second gen, mm -hmm. I think from like third gen, the struggle has really reduced. And so people can afford to be like, uh, about it. Because at that point, like, you know, your parents can speak the language, they can fill out forms themselves, they have mm -hmm. okay jobs, they're fine, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're first or second gender, you understand that when people migrate, they go first to a place where they can find other people like them. Yeah. That's why the concept of Mexican churches still exist, African yeah. churches still exist. Yeah. It, it's, it, for yeah. us, it's even, you would find Ghanaian churches, yeah. Cameroonian churches, like that's small. You would even find, I, I've seen a Delta church. There's a Delta church not far from where I live. Just oh, wow. Delta. So you yeah. sell Delta is like a, a tribe. A where I come okay. like, not, okay. It's even a state. It's not a tribe, <laughs> but it's a state. Oh, wow. Just a state. A church for just wow. people from a state. Can you imagine? Just maybe wow. people yeah. from um, Washington, you know. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. So wow. people are so bound to their culture and what they know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. of course, I do not blame you at all in saying that religious leaders have a part to play because who leads the church, right? Whoever mm -hmm. leads the church has the responsibility to make people know this is what you have access to. True. This is where you're coming from. But things aren't the same. You could get, because the whole idea of moving here is to thrive. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you get here and you still get stuck in the survive mode and you refuse to move over into thrive mode, then there's a problem, which is what many people are doing. I definitely mm -hmm. agree with you um, mm -hmm. on that. So you guys are you guys are killing it. Thank you very much. Okay. So um, I kind of remember what we say, like our translation for what you sell said. Okay, yeah. you remember? I don't know if like I, but I know, and I know that the African Americans also have their version um i can't remember what what they say something like don't let people into our business or something there's some funny you know sentence that you know everyone you uses. like keeping uh, I've heard you that keep so family business times. family what <laughs> you keep family business indoors or close in close doors something like that but it's, yeah. it's yeah. way funnier they say funnier, it's yeah so funny. <laughs> oh. so, next question um what changes can like individuals make that would reflect on the entire 
community. Like, I, 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 you're two experts. I cannot expect two of you to change the whole. What do you think can change this issue? Because the, I've still met people here that when they want to get married, they have people in their, in their countries where they were born who go to check the families of the people that they want to marry. And then they, if they find out that anyone there has mental issues, they come here and tell them, you cannot marry into that family because yes. Wow, yeah. So, if, <laughs> so at some point, yes. it, it, we cannot leave it to just you guys. Individuals have to do their work as well. And I'm kind of happy that, I wouldn't say I'm happy, but I think one good thing the pandemic has done is kind of actually shake people into understanding that you can get help online. You don't have to go, because I feel like people think about a couch and lying down and they're like, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> them out. Yes. Yes, while you guys are like writing. Taking notes of everything. Yeah. And you know yes. what they tell people? Once they write that you're crazy, I know. you could get a job. They won't know. That's what they tell. That's what they tell people. Yes. So exactly. the thought that they could be lined out while you write away their future is scary to them. Yes. Yes. But I think true. that in the middle of all of this sadness with Breonna and uh, uh, George Floyd and everything that's been happening, people are being kind of forced to, you know, pay attention to that. So what do you think individuals can do? especially in a month like this, Suicide Prevention Month. Mm -hmm. what, what can we do as individuals to change this in the community? I think, um, yeah. <laughs> I think um, we kind of touched a little bit on it. Um, you know, education obviously is a, is a big component. Um, but I think more so than that, I just, I think people should just be curious and like don't assume that you know everything about it. I think, you know, go out there and ask. You know, ask, okay, can I receive this help? You know, what can I do about this? I think um, you mentioned about how people have this image of like therapists, you know, you know, sitting on a couch and taking notes, you know, and I think, um, you know, media kind of portrays it like that, right? Yeah. So people just assume, um, you know, so I think if, if people were more curious about it and would ask, I think they would get more, more information. I'm thinking about how we can tie it back to our culture, uh, our culture. Um, and how, you know, we talk about how issues need to be handled behind doors. We don't want everybody to find out, you know, that, you know, you, you, you're seeking services, mental health services. So I think I just want to make sure that I stress that, you know, receiving services is confidential. You know, you don't have to let anybody know. You know, it, it could just be between you and your therapist, right? Yeah. You know, you decide who, who else knows about your services and the, and the treatment you're receiving. So I think it's very important for, for people to know that. And it goes back to education. And I don't think there's enough education about mental health services, what they are, you know, what they can do for you, what kind of services are available. So um, I think if people were a little bit more curious and not assume, um, you know, and not be afraid, I think that would definitely really, you know, impact them. Um, but also the community as well. And I'm sure um, Ope can kind of just elaborate a little bit more on what we mean by education. So for Ope, I'm going to ask Ope like a yeah. different variation of that question. Mm -hmm. So what you say says is correct, right? But I know that kind of works more for us. But for the, the, the older generation that we kind of, immigrant kids kind of have a, a, um, an addiction to pleasing, right? 
um, how do you get them to also want to talk about it at all? Because I, 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 I think I can, get, I can get help, but just the notion that I cannot raise the fact that I'm getting help or that I yeah. got help is in itself troubling, right? Yeah. So, Akwe, what do you think? Um, again, How do you get the older folk to get on board with, with this? You know, there is this popular saying that says charity begins at home, right? Um, so you have to start from your home. You have to start by educating your people. There's really nothing you can do about mental health or any challenge at all without the ed proper education. So, you know, start, start from your home. Start educating, you know, your small units, your close units about it. And it's like little drops of water you know, your ability to convince your family, you know, will trickle down and you have them speaking up. So I feel like to address that, you still would have certain people who are not on board. Um, there's really nothing we can do about it for the, uh, the mere fact that mental health is, is stigmatized. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, you know, so we understand that we recognize that um, th there is what we call putting ourselves in their shoes, you know, just trying to understand them, explore with them, you know, the reasoning behind it, try to desensitize them on, you know, some of the, like I said, what I call unconscious bias. There are things that are ingrained. Are they, are they the, unconscious though? Or conscious biases. Yeah. So there are things that are ingrained. So we have to start with education. We have to begin yeah. with our small units. Um, again, I feel like keeping an open mind, you know, even if you receive a pushback, you know, push on, move forward, you know, keep, just don't stop. There's, you really cannot do anything. You have to keep pushing. Um, educate one person at a time. Let them see that you are that change. You know, that people have, you've recorded successes or people who have recorded successes in terms of their mental health through you, that way you would get them on board. I feel like when you see people who are receiving support of mental health, it's easier to get others on board, especially family members. In our line of work, we've, I feel like a lot of um, clients that we see are as a result of a previous referral um, mm -hmm. that has been made. So maybe a family member has benefited from services and then they notice another family member who is probably going through some challenge or, you know, whatever mental health issue, they are more likely to refer. So I feel like the successes that come out of it, just knowing that you have that support, again, because nothing is guaranteed, really, um, but you know that you have that support. So I feel like that's how you can get, you know, the adults on board. It's still going to be a challenge, but mm -hmm. start by educating yeah. your small units. Start by educating your, um, your parents. I can mm -hmm. use myself as an example. I know that my parents are one of those people who, you know, probably had um, certain conscious biases about mental health. And now I'm beginning to get them on board. There are stigmatization against the homeless population, especially in California. You have people, you know, and I think it's the same in New York as well. You have people say all sorts of things, but they forget that there could be a mental health component to this, you know, and they give, yeah. call them that name that we choose not to, you know, repeat. And so I started, I did hear my mom say it once. And so I began to educate her. Now she, I feel like she, I've built that empathy in her for that population. So that's how it happens. You have to start by educating your small units, educate one person at a time. And mm -hmm. that way, you know, just seeing how you interact with the vulnerable population, the oppressed, people who are experiencing mental health challenges would, you know, would, it's self-educating, would self-educate others. But we are not going to deny the fact that we're going to have some pushback 
but we just keep pushing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm having so much fun. Okay, so I have two questions from the Facebook community, the Immigrate Life Facebook group. Um, so the first one is, what do you do if you really want to seek professional help, but your partner insists that the only reason why you're worried is because you listen to too many conversations about people who have mental issues? What do you think, Yisel? Should I repeat it? Yes. Okay, so the question is, what do you do if you really want to seek professional help, but your partner insists that the only reason why you're worried is because you listen to too many conversations about people who have mental issues? Um, well, I think, for one, I think that maybe her partner needs to be a little bit more supportive. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but I think it just comes down to, like, really trying to express, you know, to, to um, the partner, you know, this is why I want to receive services. This is what I'm going through. And, you know, um, kind of just letting her, letting, you know, him or her know that, you know, um, yes, I'm, I might be trying to educate myself and hearing these, you know, um, me mental health um, information, but um, ultimately I'm doing this for myself and just trying to get the point across that you're seeking, that she or him is seeking help for himself, um, you know, not because they're hearing, you know, these other things, you know, so I guess just trying to help the other person understand why, um, you know, um, you know, she's trying to seek mental health services. Um, and ultimately, I, I hope that that doesn't, um, I guess, persuade her from not seeking services, you know, because at the end of the day, you want to be in a healthy relationship, then your partners needs to be supportive, right? True. So um, True. it's a sign of strength to seek help, not a weakness. True. Thank you. Um, okay, what do you think? Um, your mental health is, you know, impacts your overall well-being. Um, and I feel like nobody can truly understand what you go through but you. You know, so just like Giselle said, um, I feel like, you know, um, speak to the partner about what you might be going through. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that they would understand, but at least you try to say, okay, it's not based off of just what I hear. It's mm -hmm. what I know I need. You know, and um, there's something we call self-advocacy. You know, you have to get to a point that you have to be able to speak up for yourself. You know, if she cannot speak up for herself, that speaks to the kind of relationship that exists that between the couple or, you know, the man and the woman. Um, so, you know, advocate for yourself. Again, you know, you, you own the right to yourself. You own the right to your decisions. Um, and go ahead and seek therapy. That's the best thing. Like Yisela mm -hmm. said, it's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you are in the right mental space. Um, you have an overall healthy well-being and you can only benefit from that. The partner can only benefit from that. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, the second question is, this one says, my story is pretty dark and I want to talk to someone about it but I think I might feel better with someone like me. Do you think I should wait until I find a, such a person or just go with anyone? What should I be looking out for when picking a therapist? Okay. I, <laughs> I feel like I don't totally understand the question. Okay, let me read it again. My story is pretty dark and I want to talk to someone about it, but I think I might feel better with someone like me. I think, I think the person means maybe someone who would understand my cultural background. Okay. 
do you think I should wait until I find this person or just go with anyone? What should I look out for when picking a therapist? Okay, so I think it, it boils down to, you know, what that person is experiencing or going through. Um, if, that, um, if the person feels like they, they are able to um, manage themselves till they find someone like them, I would say, okay, um, because it's, you know, there, there isn't like a clear cut rule as to who you need to see. Um, but mm -hmm. I've noticed that certain culture want, you know, therapists from their culture because, you know, they have um, that background, they have an understanding of the cultural background. Um, so if that's what she's referring to here, like you want someone who understands your cultural background and maybe would, um, you know, even the therapist is not, even if you come from the same um, states or, you know, where the therapist is not an expert in your, in whatever you're going through, you know, your like, um, yeah, in yes. your life, you know, you're, you might come from the same tribe, um, speak the same language, but the culture within my home might be different from yours. Yes. Um, so if you're looking for someone who's going to fit 100% into, you know, whatever you're going through, I honestly don't think you're going to find that person. But if you have like um, a preference as to who you want to say, for example, um, I can understand if someone who's been through sexual abuse um, does not want to meet with a male therapist um, mm. or someone who's been through, you know, um, maybe has gone through some physical abuse or emotional abuse from an adult, um, an aged adult, um, does not want to meet with an aged therapist, wants to meet with someone who can relate on their level so there are you know these are things you can communicate from the beginning and you find who is best fitting but if it's based on severity of symptoms i would not advise anyone to wait um if you mm -hmm. feel like you and from what i hear she says she's in a dark place um i would you know say seek help as soon as possible with the most available therapies because we do not want the issues to escalate we do not want yeah. to get to a point that they probably have to um, get a 5150 or you get to that, you know, state that, you know, it becomes really, really difficult. If it's cultural, you, you can ask for um, a therapist who is from your background or your culture, but um, it also has its pros and its cons. You also want someone who is going to be, have an open mind. You want someone mm -hmm. who is going to be able to see things from a different perspective, begin to challenge some of your thoughts. Yeah. Um, with regards to some of the situations you've been through. So depending on the situation, um, you know, you can decide um, to either wait or go. But I would not advise anyone to wait. If you have a mental health challenge, seek help. Mm -hmm. so people, we have mental health therapists everywhere, readily available yes. to help you and support you through, you know, the processes. And the beautiful thing about mental health is if I feel like I'm not competent enough to handle a certain situation, you know, we have colleagues um, that we could, you know, refer back to. You know, I know that in my line of work, I've had to call you so a couple of times to say, you know what, help me out here. How is this going? You know, so we yeah. have that support even within the mental health community as therapists and we can reach out. So say you reach out to me and I'm not who you want and you communicate that to me. I can find someone who probably best fits what you're looking for. So just the, the first step is reach out, seek that mm -hmm. help. And then mm -hmm. you can begin to state what your preference is. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yusel, any, any words to add? Yeah. I mean, I think Opa said it beautifully, you know, and just know, I think I want something that I would do. There's two things I want to highlight. One thing I want to highlight is that 
you know, um, what um, Opus said about, you know, as therapists, you know, we are always learning about our clients, right? You know, they are obviously, um, you know, the ones that know themselves more um, and best. So whether it's, if this person is looking for someone that has a similar cultural background, just know that we're also trained in specific areas. So like if this person, you know, went through some sexual abuse or any trauma or anxiety, as therapists, we have a focus that, you know, so we focus on that. So maybe we might come from different backgrounds, but ultimately we're gonna help you with what, you know, the presenting symptom or behavior is. Um, so just know that. And again, you know, sometimes you're gonna click with your therapist, sometimes you're not, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't seek or try, you know, advocate for yourself to maybe change therapists. So there's always that. Um, and then second, it sounds like she's, she, I think it's a she, she really wants to relate, right? Someone that she can relate to maybe to what she experienced. Um, um, so just know that there's also support groups. So I want her, yes, we want her to seek, um, you know, therapy, individual counseling, but there's also, in addition to individual counseling, there's always support groups that have people that experience the things that maybe you have, you went through. So I think that's where she can maybe find that component where she can relate to someone like, oh yeah, maybe they understand me because they went through something similar. So there's also that, you know, but obviously seek mental health services, um, you know, preferably in the form of individual counseling, but there's also support groups as well. Um, but yeah, seek help. Thank you guys. I'm so, 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 I feel so blessed. I don't know what I, what I did to get people Aww. like you guys on, but I'm so happy you guys have made my day. And I'm sure, I'm sure that anyone who listens to this is going to feel like, whoosh, I got so much information. Um, where can we find you guys? You sell, what can we find you? Are you online? Are you readily online? Where can we, you know, anyone who uh. needs to reach out? Um, well, I, no, I am on LinkedIn. You can definitely find me on LinkedIn, um, you know, and um, I do have a PO box as well. Um, you know, I can provide that information, you know, to you and you can maybe, um, you know, put it, put it online so people okay. can, you know, reach out. But, you know, just know that, you know, there's always mental health services in anywhere, in any area, you know. Yeah. Um, here in California, we have a two, what we call 211, where you just dial that number and you can ask for any kind of resources. So, I mean, I'm not sure how it, it, it might vary by state, um, but, you know, there's always someone that can help. And it's there's always be, someone. Yes, always someone. Mm -hmm. Okay, how do we find you? Um, again, like you said, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. I have a PO box as well. Mm -hmm. um, I do not explore the social media platform for it's okay for, <laughs> for work and again because you know as mental health therapists we need to protect the confidentiality of our clients of um, course. Mm -hmm. so yeah but you know honestly i feel like if anyone needs help um just reach out there is mental health service everywhere um google jump on google and you would find help but yes definitely i'm on linkedin if you want to reach out to me and yeah, we can sure. um, direct you to the right source Mm -hmm. thank you guys so grateful i hope that i can reach out to you guys sometime in the future at a time all right guys have a wonderful thank you so day. much thank you for the thank space you. thank you bye wow that was amazing. I hope you learned as much as I did from Yusel and Okwe. I'm convinced that this episode needs to get as many listens as possible. So many gems dropped. So please share it with your friends, drop it in your group chats, and feel free to binge on 
every other episode on the Immigrate Life podcast. Uh, check out the blog as well. It's www.immigrate.life. Okay, guys, have a great day and remember to stay grateful.